0: Hello, and welcome to Carefully Taught, teaching musical theater with Maddie and Kikau. A podcast to discuss musical theater pedagogy and create a community of sharing amongst musical
1: theater educators. Feel free to email us at carefullytaughtpodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Instagram at carefullytaughtpodcast.
0: The Maddie and Kikau podcast show. The Maddie and Kikau show. The Maddie and Kikau podcast show. On today's
1: episode, we have part one of our two-part Best Friends series. That's right. Maddie and I are musical theater educators, and we both have longtime best friends who are also influential teachers in the university musical theater landscape. So we are featuring uh, our two-part series by interviewing each of them about their musical theater teaching techniques and strategies. And maybe asking a little about what it's like to be BFFs with us.
0: We are starting with my longtime best bud, David Coolidge. David is the director of musical theater at Anderson University, a private Christian university
1: in Anderson, Indiana. David received the MFA in acting from University of North Carolina Greensboro and his BFA in musical theater from University of Cincinnati College Conservatory of Music. Where he met me. He also was in the Broadway national tour of Parade directed by Hal Prince. Where Jason Robert Brown was like literally in the pit conducting like nearly every performance. We are so excited to welcome Maddie's best friend, David Coolidge, to the podcast
2: yay <laughs> hey guys thanks so much for having me um it's a real privilege and honor and i am a a, a listener and a supporter of this podcast and uh reference it and uh, encourage other people to listen to it i just really appreciate what you're doing here and the the community that you are creating in the space that you're creating for our community of educators it's it's I just am honored well, and privileged to be a part of it. Thank you. Um, so, David, just so you know,
0: um, we've got a handful of standard questions that we ask all of our guests, but that's really just the framework of, of the interview. I'm sure we're going to have all kinds of follow-up questions and, and, and whatnot, um, but we do have like a handful that are just standard
1: so let's start with, uh, why musical theater? What draws you to doing, or or I should be very specific, yeah, to being involved and a part of musical theater?
2: Well, I think initially um, I fell in love with the unique uh, form of storytelling. Um, and it's actually hard to pinpoint exactly when I, I fell into a love for musical theater. I was one of those kids that we went to the my mom would take us to the library and we would get a stack of vhs cassettes um that we would uh you know take out of the library and watch uh uh the old movie musicals calamity jane and there's no business like show business and the old danny Kaye movies and and uh dick van dyke and th- that was my childhood of just kind of growing up with this musical landscape i would build these elaborate card houses on the uh, on the floor and have a rubber band gun and be shooting things while I'm listening to, to, to old school musicals. <laughs> and it was just kind of, it's kind of a funny image, but it was the the soundtrack uh, to my life. And um, I was really blessed with an incredible music program in my early elementary years. Um, Kathy Newell at, at North Northview Elementary School just really pour, poured her heart and soul into what she did as a music educator. And we were watching in, you know, fourth, fifth grade. We're watching um, the Mikado and the Gondoliers. And she's introducing us to Gilbert and Sullivan and crafting her own musicals out of, you know, uh, existing material. Uh, we did a, a wizard of Oz that included all kinds of different songs. Um, and it was, it was a real, it was a very rich, um, early experience with the, the musical theater form of storytelling.
0: So, um, you know, you and I, we ain't spring chickens anymore, and you have already had quite a career. You know, you, we talked about Parade, but you are also the assistant artistic director uh, at a you know, major equity theater company in New York City, and you directed, you know, national tours and all of these things. Why do you teach? Like, how did you find yourself at, uh, in this particular part of the musical theater landscape?
2: Well, I think like so many people um, and I've even heard on your podcast too, other people say, you know, teaching was kind of the last thing uh, many of us thought we would be would be doing early on and maybe even said we didn't want to do originally. Um, And then, uh, you know. at some point I realized that teaching had been a part of my process all the way through, you know, I was uh, as an actor and then as a director and a producer and and arts administrator I was constantly doing master classes or talk back sessions or panels and uh, or coaching and then at some point you realize all of those things are actually teaching (laughs) it just doesn't feel like it early on. Um, I also. I come from a long line of educators. My dad's a public school educator. My mom's a public school educator. My sister was a public school educator. My grandfather was a public school educator. Um, so the importance of education is firmly in my DNA, and and I believe in the in the power and and the uh, and the strength and responsibility of uh, of. Being um, being an educated human being in the world to be of service to the world, and so I think at some point um, right before grad school, I kind of looked at my my life experiences and started to say, "Hey, where where in the next stage of my life?" Because I was feeling that page turning in the next stage of my life. Where can my life experiences and my passions be of greatest service and um and that felt like teaching um and so maddie can attest to this when you know when i was in my uh, mfa program we went to the we were in the our mfa programs at the same time in the same place and but i i really went in with the with a clear focus that i wanted to be the director of a program coming out of of that mfa um and that was very helpful to my, my, uh, my, to my uh, education in my MFA program. It gave it a very laser, laser cut focus on what I wanted to do right after.
1: This is so great. I'm I'm now putting the puzzle pieces together because the the same situation with myself and Jacob that you know we'll have on a future episode. But just being in. Um, the same MFA program sort of led to where we are now. So, so just because we're we're here, I'm just gonna jump your question, Maddie, for just a second because I think it's we connect to the the other question we ask, which is about the responsibility as MT educators to change or affect the professional industry as we know it. So you're sort of talking about that, but I think we can get a, a little deeper in terms of um, how how we teach them changes the industry or how does that change the industry Um, it is difficult for somebody with debt to just jump into the very expensive training etc that happens Uh, so yeah what tell me what you think there
2: in musical theater specifically (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah I you know that is such a fascinating question and one that I think we're all wrestling with right now and I've I'm of two minds on this as probably most of us are you know i think we all grew up and were taught that you teach uh for the industry you know that that you are your the main goal is to prepare individuals for the realities of the industry and now there's you know there's another thought of that we need to teach for the industry that we hope to see you know and and i think that i honestly fit somewhere in between that you know and um and and for a couple of reasons i think it's a really really important question i'm so glad that you are creating a space uh for dialogue around this incredibly important issue you know it used to be again growing up that their casting was much more based on type very specific Um, Some regional theaters and, and, and summer stock still are in that vein. So I think type is important to have an understanding of, but it's also extremely limiting and not the world we live in anymore. And so I, I like to think about meeting students where they are and helping them to develop their unique skills as an artist and as a human being. And, you know, I'm the director of a, of a BA and a BM program. And so uh, there's a beautiful thing about a liberal arts BA in in musical theater is that, you know, several of our um, most accomplished uh, recent grads were BAs, but they also were able to explore psychology or history or something else. And I I, I really feel that i it's my responsibility to create opportunities for individuals to for them to get the education they need to be successful outside of the institution whether that's in musical theater or or something else i do think that we have we bear a responsibility to acknowledge where the industry is and to be very help create specific pathways for individuals to navigate the industry because what we don't talk a lot about are the 50 60 70 80 thousand dollars in debt that some of these students are in and the amount of money every month some some nine hundred 900 a month just in interest you- Um, That will shackle someone for life if they do not have a very clear-cut plan for how to get out of that debt as quickly as possible. And so that's where I think there there is an idealistic way of the privilege that we have in academia to say this is how we want the world to be. There's also the nuts and bolts of being shackled with tens and tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt and being able to immediately have a plan for paying that debt down. So just
1: because we're we're here, I'm just going to jump your question, Maddie, for just a second, because I think we connect to the, the other question we ask, which is about the responsibility as MT educators to change or affect the professional industry as we know it. So you're sort of talking about that, but I think we can get a, a little deeper in terms of Um, how how we teach them changes the industry or how does that change the industry um it is difficult for somebody with debt to just jump into the very expensive training etc that happens uh so yeah tell me
2: what you think there well two things i think they're two separate issues um change um Teaching students to um, have agency, teaching students to be, uh, have power in their artistry and a voice and empowering students to find their own voice. You know, we have an educational system that basically creates most individuals to be little automatons. They're very good at being, uh, at doing what they're told to do. And we all know this from being in, in the professional world. Once you get out of school, it's like you got to you make it up you know yeah. you you are you are the narrator of your story and so i think being able to empower students to say to discover what's what is unique about their artistry what they want to say as an artist and how they want to be a positive force in the world through their artistry i think that does change the the industry i think that radically changes the industry and it may not be, it it may not be the uh, an immediate change, you know. It but it will be a it will be a longer lasting change, healthier, um, more sustainable, and um, and and a much richer and vibrant art community that will come out of that. Um, the the nuts and bolts the nuts and bolts of getting out of debt i think are are another thing um entirely but but that's where i think things like um uh cruise ships are such an amazing opportunity get get on we we really several of our students are are primed and ready for that world and that can be a great you could work for a year year and a half two years and your debt's completely gone and you're free and you've got two more years of actual solid um, work experience under your belt. that's a fantastic option that really felt like a step back you know in our, in our training in our day um, it was it was kind of looked down upon to do a cruise ship. And now I, I think one the, the, the work is so, so incredible in, in many of those spaces and it also is just a great way to pay off student loan debt. And
0: see the world, and travel, and meet people, and yeah, yeah, and,
2: and have time to experience who you are, and explore writing, and exploring podcasting, and exploring being a videographer. Um, it, it's a you learn so much about yourself through travel. Anyway, um, I just think it's a. I, I'm I'm such a huge advocate for for ships early on in your career. I think
0: it's a... You bring up a really interesting point about how the educational system today really, it's so X's and O's, and this is what you do to be successful and, you know, or to get an A or whatever. And, and so, um, you know, people graduate as robots. You know, one thing, one piece of feedback that I have gotten from a number of alum of my program, recent alum, is like, They, when they graduate, it's the first time in their life they don't have somebody telling them what to do and how to be successful, and they just have to make it on their own. And they're totally unprepared. And that's not to say we don't have conversations about this in my program, but like conversations are one thing and then doing it is something else. And that's a really interesting point. And I'm I'm curious, do you... Is there anything that you do, David, to help prepare students to deal with things like student debt? Obviously, you're pushing cruise ships and some of these um, exciting, different ways to use musical theater in the professional field. But do, are there other things that you do in your program that uh, that help set, uh, set up uh, people for success when they graduate?
2: I think I think being open, honest, and transparent is so incredibly important in everything we do, and so I really try. And believe me, I do it imperfectly. We are all imperfect individuals, and so you know, I think every every educator hopes that their students and parents and everyone else uh, looks upon us with grace-filled eyes, because uh, we're all just trying to do the best we can and be of service uh, in a in a challenging space. In many in many cases, you know, right around the junior year is where I start really changing language in the way that I talk to students and saying, now is the time that you begin running your own ship. You, you have got to start steering the course for yourself. And so uh, there are many um, assignments within my curriculum that are much more open and free or require students to create things out of nothing or out of very little or to pitch ideas you know um, pitch what songs they want to do and why Um, uh, pitch what scenes they want to do and why Um, we've got a performance group class where we usually pair you know four five six people together and they have to create a 20-minute show you know and there's a maybe a specific set of parameters for that. Or our voice and movement curriculum, you know, the final sometimes is here are five different things and create, you know, create something. And the first time, the first time students engage with an assignment that does not have clear cut. Uh, definitions of, of what is right and wrong, or good or bad, which are words that we don't and, and shouldn't use anyway. But, you know, where, where, where there's where there's some ambiguity there. Um, uh, oftentimes, that first time through, it can be unsettling. And I, I, I try to, in my language and the conversations around it, say, the, the, <laughs> the ambiguity is part of the assignment, you know, that that you have to take a bold risk. And the success is in just taking the risk. How Whatever the outcome is, we can talk about that and learn from it and grow from it. But if, if you are someone who needs to measure success for yourself in some way, let the bold choice, let the risk, let the, the flying into the unknown be the success. But, and that's enough, you know, that's enough.
0: I love that. I mean, I do a project my, with my freshmen, their very first semester where I don't have a rubric and they have to do some sort of presentation. And they're like, what do you mean you don't have a rubric? I'm like, just do it. Just do it. It doesn't just do it. They're like, but what do I have to do to get an A? Just do it. Just, 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 just do it. And it's hard. It's hard
2: because... Uh, and it's it's also hard it's hard from an administrative standpoint too because we're living in a time where where everything needs to be broken down you know that that our learning outcomes need to match up and it needs to be carefully spelled out and so there's there's a challenge in there uh, as an educator to uh have enough um structure that that it is going to fly on our in in our syllabi and and in our in our reports and that sort of thing and yet still have the ambiguity that's necessary for the growth of our students that's why that's the other reason why i think um an education in the performing arts is is incredibly powerful not just for individuals who want to um be go on and be professionals in the industry but you're learning interpersonal skills you're learning creative uh, critical thinking skills we have individuals go on to build businesses in real estate and who go on into sales and work in finance and go on to education as well as performance in all aspects but you know In the arts, we are problem solvers every single day. That's just, that's all we do. I like my job as a director. I'm a project manager. That's what I do. You know, we, all we do are just, we are little, we are little problem solvers that go around and learn to uh, communicate more efficiently, build teams. Um, And those skills, those are lifelong skills that are, that are, that are, uh, you know, will help someone be successful no matter where they decide to go.
1: That's great. Yeah. I love, I I went to the Anderson website and just saw that brief little video of you directing. And I just love how, you know, you just, of course, this was pre- pandemic, but you were just like in there. You were like in their face. You were down on the floor. We're making all this stuff happen. I love the the (laughs) the video package. I love seeing you in your element. I love it just sort of feels like you're the type of person that's like, I'm gonna roll up my sleeves and we're gonna like make this happen. Or at least that's what the video says. So so Well
2: we are we are really blessed here. I mean our students are kind and generous and 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 driven individuals and and but without that without that cutting competitive (laughs) you know uh thing that most of us all experienced in our undergraduate years you know that there is there is a way to um to to have rigor and there is a way to to challenge individuals but to be able to do that in a way that that they know that they are loved and cared for and i think that that's incredibly important i also think it's incredibly important as you know as a kid who grew up in the midwest whose parents were public educators i mean i was a sweet little puppy dog of a boy you know uh, and and with with a very thin skin and and many of my students come from similar backgrounds like that. And so I do think that there's a fine line that, that we do have to, we have to be able to deal with direct communication. (laughs) We have to, we have to learn to, to, um, embrace notes and criticism. You know, it's so it's, I think being uh, an actor and and a vocalist are two of the hardest, uh, most challenging, um, instruments um to deal with criticism because you are the instrument you know i i played some piano and we've got many students who play instruments and and it, receiving criticism or feedback about an external instrument is very different than um than receiving crit you know, the, the feedback is still about the work but the work is you and it it takes it it really takes some time to be able to distance yourself from that and we talk a lot about that we talk a lot about that um and hmm. and and we try to give a lot of that kind of feedback so that individuals can begin learning to separate their own self-worth from work and those wow. are two very different So things. um we've got
0: one more of like our Prepared standard questions because Kika Kika went out of order, uh, but uh, but um, <laughs> um, but uh, we'll see the where rebel. it leads. So, what is one thing that you do as a musical theater educator that you don't think anybody else does? Something totally unique to you?
2: Well, a a, a technique or a pedagogy that is. Fairly new in the in the landscape that I'm extremely passionate about is uh, the work with archetypes Um, there's a a book acting and singing with archetypes by Frankie Armstrong and Jeanette Rogers, I was exposed to this work from in my graduate study from the amazing uh, uh, Chris Morris at UNCG. and had gone on to further training and become certified. And, and, and this is the first year that I am using the archetypes in my scene study class. So it is one of our acting classes. It is the technique paired uh, with uh, another technique too, but it is the primary technique that we are, we are exploring scene work through. And, um, it's based on, uh, myths and um symbols from cultures around the world they're the these narrative um journeys that you that you lead um students through and and then so you've got you've got the um the trickster and the huntress and the spiritual temporal leader and many of these archetypes that we've all are maybe peripherally um uh, familiar with through um if you've done any reading on psychology or that sort of thing, or maybe even in our, in our you know, those epic movies, you always hear about the hero's journey and, and uh, archetypes pop up everywhere in our storytelling. And so um, there's an efficiency to the work that happens when you can begin working uh, character development and say, why don't you explore this through the lens of the huntress? And if you've created... A whole narrative for yourself about how the huntress lives in your body. And, and some of them are, are, are you know, more uh, masculine uh, uh, archetypes, some are more feminine, some are non binary. And, and everyone is, is meant and um, encouraged to explore the work in however it lives in, in their own person. And I think that it's incredibly freeing and um, and we all know how important imagination work is in, in in our work. And to be able to create memories and situations through these journeys that you may not ever otherwise, uh, you know, explore on your own in your own life um, just creates a, a whole new foundation for lived experience that can be brought into your character development.
1: That sounds amazing. I have heard a lot about it, um, but have not used that in class, but I can imagine that it actually works really well. So it's sort of a common shared language, but it's also something that you can't quite, you know, actually define. It's like, let's,
2: yeah experience but everyone's having an individual experience and and that's what I love about the work so much is it really is it meets everyone exactly where they are it gives them agency it gives them strength it, it, it empowers the individual to have their own journey within the the framework that the leader is laying out for them but but it really is up to the individual to Go on the journey and and however they choose to go through it. That's it's awesome. it was it was life changing work for me and um, and I'm incredibly passionate.
1: So about. I have a question and this one sort of veers into the friendship part. Um, I'm wondering if uh, and either of you can can jump on this. Um, was there ever a time or or uh, an experience that you relied on your friendship? specifically to help get you through. So was there, was there anything that, that- When don't we? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I don't even know where to start. David, what comes up for you? You're the guest, what comes up for
1: you when he asks that question?
2: Do you mean just in life in general, Kikau, or- No, I
1: mean, uh, actually specifically musical theater education. Oh, 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 in in
2: education, yeah. Uh Well, you know, we, I think that Maddie and I have lived, um, while different journeys, there have been, there have been, uh, signposts in our life that have lined up, uh, uh you know, <laughs> we, we went to undergrad together. We, we both performed at the same times. We explored different things, but similar things for about 10 years in between, um, and, uh, and then we went to grad school together. We were making art together the entire time that was happening. Make art together in in grad school and then both begin teaching at, you know, basically the same time. And so, hmm. you know what what I guess the the thing that I tell my students all the time is is it you It's hard to sometimes imagine one, how important that kind of friendship is, you know, and how much that supports and sustains you throughout your life, not just the industry, but through homes and cars and relationships and, and families and loss and, and just what it means to be a human being and. And to be able to do that with someone who it's always gives you the benefit of the doubt, <laughs> um, who allows you to spout off and and work through things that you may not even know what you believe, but need to just process out loud um, in, a, in a space that, that um, someone who loves and cares about you and knows who you are can give you that space and that grace. Um, who shows up, you know, like, uh, I, I don't, Maddie and I are both, we're, all busy, you know? Um, but if something happened to Maddie needed me, I would be there and, and vice versa. And there you can, you know, most people are lucky if they can count on one, one hand, or even a couple of fingers, a couple of people like that in their life. And, um, And so I think it's important to cultivate, it's important to cultivate those relationships. Um, And then, you know, it's just, the performing arts, it is a challenging industry, you know? And if it's not fun, then what's the point? If it's Uh not life-giving and soul-filling, and if you're not able to, if it's not something greater than self, well, why do it? You know, <laughs> there are so many other things you could do that would be just about you, and and that would bring different kinds of rewards. Um, and so, to be able to continue to be in community and collaborate and find new ways of collaborating and working together and creating beautiful things for our world, uh, it's it's a it's an honor and it's a privilege to be able to continue to do that with. With my best friend.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, thank you, David. That was really wonderful. I the the first when you asked the question, Kiko, I first thought of the, you know, the awful breakup that I had when he lived seven hours away and he was there that night, you know, and um, and things like that. Um, but you know, you did ask specifically about teaching. I one of the things that I think is so important. About us as musical theater people, as musical theater educators, is having a life beyond the the stage. And one of the things that I have loved so much about David's and my relationship is we we have that shared love for, for performance and, and the art of theater. Um, but we've always been able to connect even when we're told come from totally different angles, we've always been able to connect and have a mutual respect about the things off the stage that we love. Um, you know, I mean, there, we, we've, we've shared many tears and many, many laughs. And, and, and I think that that's one of the reasons that when we do theater together, when we are lucky enough to do things together, we played, I don't know if you know this, Kikau, or not, but we played Oscar and Felix opposite each other as the odd couple. And, and and you know, I've directed David and, and well, we, we were talking about uh, Cabaret that I directed with Nikki Snelson earlier, David was my cliff. And, you know, when we are able to have those moments, there is such a love and and respect that... Even when you have to work through the hard stuff in those artistic projects, there is just, there's a trust. There's a total trust. I never feel without a parachute. Um, You know, but like David said, we're busy people. And so we have to carve out time and have like a weekly meeting just to, just to, just to connect. Um, And the, you know, 80% of that will be like, how are the kids doing? And how's preschool? Oh, preschool got canceled. What are you doing about babysitting? You know, stuff like that. Um, we always talk shop and, 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 you know, how's, how's class? And what are you teaching? And David's suddenly teaching theater history. And we were talking about his approach to that the other day, <laughs> you know, and, and stuff like that. So I, I think
1: it's, that's my answer. That would be my answer to the question. No, for, you both got to exactly what I was hoping for, which is, which is, um, talking about your relationship. But but, you know, what's why we're doing these episodes. It's like, how do we really support each other, um, when it isn't something big and splashy, right? Like, what what are those other conversations, and how do we, right? Everyone talks about work life balance. How do we? Where is the life part? When we're sitting in an office or in a rehearsal for hours and hours and hours, right? So, thank you both. That's great. Um, So,
0: David, I don't know if your archetypes um, pitch was your recommended resource, but we always end a podcast with a resource recommendation. Um, Did you spill the beans or do you have another resource to recommend to our listeners?
2: I i wish that i had discovered this earlier in my life um i have discovered this through the pandemic and it has helped incredibly and changed the way i view the world and my place in it and my job and it just takes 10 minutes a day and um find a meditation app there are there are a ton of them out there and, and many of them are very different but i i can't I cannot um, uh, more. Uh, I can't give a, a better recommendation for anything than, than finding a, a good meditation app for yourself. Um, I, I I've been shocked at how uh, just a, a small ten minute practice a day has has made profound differences in, in the way I move through space. Do you which have is- Which which is ultimately what I like. (laughs) Like the full circle, which is ultimately what I like about musical theater. Going back to your first your first uh, uh, question, which you know, the main reason why I do musical theater is to be able to create beautiful moments on stage that will change the way people move through space for the rest of their lives. You know, and and we have. I, I've got a, a handful of moments in the theater that I will take to my grave uh, that have fundamentally changed who I am as an individual and to be able to for that to be part of your life story to speak into the life stories of other individuals um, I it's that is the um, that is the greatest privilege uh, that 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 anyone can, uh, can give is to be open and receptive in 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 that space to be able to speak into other people's lives, and there is an enormous responsibility.
0: Do you have a preferred app that you use, David?
2: I, you know what, everybody is, everyone's going to come to it differently. My sister has a different app. I um, I right now I'm using the Sam Harris Waking Up app. I really enjoy because there is a great deal of. Um, Theory and other conversations <laughs> with uh, uh, individuals around that, including uh, the poet uh, David White, who has some incredible poetry um, um, that just helps that process along. So I think for me it was nice that there was uh, there was more uh, there was an intellectual side to it as well that I that I'm very hungry for.
1: Thank you so much. I feel like this is the first of our recommendations that is about mm. um, self-care and it's about really taking that time. So I appreciate it because, it, it, you know, on paper, it doesn't look like you can make those connections. But actually, it's like, no, we, we do need to find that calm, that quiet and um to make those connections in order to do what we do. So, thank you for that. So,
0: Kikau, you were really excited to talk to David. You said uh, a couple of weeks ago when we were planning this, I really I really want to hear David talk. Did you get what you were hungry for? Or did you have any other follow-up questions?
1: Yeah. I I mean, the thing is I've I've we David and I have known each other and and but I didn't actually ever really get to know, right? And so I love the conversation that you had with each other and um I I feel like this is a great beginning to our friendship and to the the ways in which we can collaborate um I think I was most excited because um you are both of you are such a force to get like in my mind I think of you as really? like <laughs> magnets and yeah but just because I so asso- I just associate the two of you together so Um, I just was, I wanted to have these moments to then sort of, you know, peel behind the curtain to get my own little backstage tour of your friendship. And I do feel like this is a great start to that.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. David made reference to the history that we've lived together and and said we went to undergrad Together, I mean, we didn't just go to the same undergrad. We were both transfers uh, at a school that doesn't typically take transfers. Uh, and we're both. Uh, we, I mean, he mentioned both of his parents are public school teachers. My parents were public school teachers. He's from the Midwest. And I was, you know, a little granola from California. And he walked around with a, you know, dress shoes and, a, and, a, and an umbrella on days where it might rain. Um, so we 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 came at things from very different angles, but we connected right out of the gate. I mean, that first year we watched the the the, the Seinfeld. We're getting I'm going to date us now. We watched the Seinfeld finale together. Our first year at CCM, uh, eating Philly cheesesteaks from the Penn Station around the corner, and have just been been able to rely and trust each other, rely on and trust each other ever since. And that's, that's, I mean, like, look up the year that Seinfeld went off the year and you'll know how old we are. But um, yeah, it's those kinds of friendships are special and you just don't let them go. I don't know if you know this, Kika, another random fact about David and I. I performed his wedding ceremony, and he performed my wedding ceremony. Oh, that. See,
1: this is what people want to hear.
2: <laughs>
1: I think I think doing so it's that... It's actually Reverend David Cooley. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs>
2: from uh, my online
1: certification, you know. <laughs> I was going to say, I think that there's such... I've only done this one time. I've only officiated one wedding, and it was my brother's wedding. And it was, all, you know, in addition to an actual gift, I was like, this is the gift. Like, I'm never going to officiate someone else's wedding. This, you know, I'm like, this is the special thing. And of course, online reverend as well, all of us. Um, but I love that. See, that's the, that's the information that we need to hear. That's so fun. Well, cool.
0: This was this was super fun. Uh, David, thank you for carving out the time. I know with the two youngins and all of the responsibilities at work, there's a million different directions you're being pulled. So I know that our listeners are going to get really get something out of a lot of what you said today. So we really appreciate you sharing, uh, sharing that.
2: Well, thank you both. I really appreciate the opportunity. And like I said before, I... I just appreciate that you are doing this. The service that you are providing by doing this—it's a—it's a great opportunity for us to find a new way um, to support each other and what we're doing. And it's—it's it's really clear that that's what this is about. And I, I just—I uh, just thank you. <laughs> you two are both incredibly busy individuals, and this is this is a real service um, to our industry. And so, thank you both.
0: Great. Tell your friends.
2: like and follow well
0: thank you thank you thank thank you 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 to our listeners for listening uh and uh yeah like we were just joking rate and review the podcast uh tell a friend uh get help us get the word out so that we can continue to build this musical theater educators community and really support one another, learn from one another um and uh yeah
1: I love it no no this is great I, I I, will also say if if the theme for these weeks is about friendship mm. um, write us at carefully taught podcast carefully taught podcast at gmail.com and tell us about your friendships mm. you know what, what is it that gets you through your semesters um, and, and share with us what's going on so that we can share with other
0: people yeah and maybe we'll have you and your best friend on a future podcast to uh, continue to build that community thank you so much Music for Carefully Taught was provided by Joshua Haig. For more information, visit JoshuaHagueMusic.com.